it would help if you turn the power button on, right? Right? See, it's not sound, guys. So don't look back and give him the dirty look like I used to. You know, I used to be like, trying to mess up the Lord's work. Sound, guys. Man, I'm telling you, I was reading through Psalms 150, and it said something that really stood out to me. It said this. It said, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Then this is where it really threw me. There's a comma there, and it says, praise the Lord. Now, in my book, I'm like, you know, what does that mean? And um, so I started doing some, some thinking, and, uh, and it's real easy when I start thinking about my kids. Because I don't know if you know, I have a 10, a 6, and a 1. Well, he's actually 14 months, but, you know, I don't like to be the parent that says 17 months and 47 days. So he's one years old, all right? Um, so what's crazy is how I'll tell my daughter to do something, Right? I'll say, baby, you need to go clean your room because if mama goes and sees it, she's going to have a fit, right? So I'll say that. Guess what she does? She might run up the stairs, and I'm like, good daughter. She is a good, good daughter. But I've learned that that's not always the case. Is what she's, She is not following my instructions. What she does is she gets up there. I don't know if she has ADD like me or what, but she'll get up there, and then all of a sudden, the cleaning that I thought she was doing ended up becoming doll playing. And the room actually ends up looking worse because she has the 47 Barbies and the 17 dolls all strode throughout the room. And all of a sudden, I have to say something else about cleaning the room. And it's not like I did the first time. You know, hey, babe, you might want to go clean the room. This time I'm saying what? Clean the room. You know, I'm getting a little bit more. Well, when I read the scripture, all of a sudden it hit me that maybe I'm being like my little girl. And, and um, what happens is I get caught up and I'm like, oh, that's a great scripture. And then, he, and then the Lord wrote it out real plain. Praise the Lord. So he's telling me to praise the Lord. So what I want us to do is I don't want us to be like my daughter. I want us to be the good son or the good daughter. So if you would, just for a second, let's all stand to our feet one more time and let's give him a praise. Let's give him a hand clap. Just, just yell out, say, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. We are the good kids, the good daughters. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, man, that is amazing. I'm pretty sure. Don't sit down yet. See, look at y'all. Y'all already sitting down. I didn't get permission. All right. So uh, I was going to pray. That's why I said not sit down. I'm always, if you ask my students, before we start anything, what do I do? Students, what do we do? Always start in prayer. I don't care if I'm going to eat a donut or if I'm doing service. We're going to pray. So if you would, just indulge me for a minute while we pray, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for this wonderful church. Thank you for things that you're doing in our lives that we can see your fingerprint on, Lord God. Thank you right now for this chance to speak. But Lord God, if you can use anything, use me, Lord God. I can't change lives. I can only encourage But, Lord God, your words can change lives. Your words can restore. Your words can do things. So right now, take control of this service and use me like never before. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, all right, now before you sit down, you got a high five, dab, you know, I don't know, do something to at least 10 people and then have a seat, all right? I see some of you hugging. That's actually probably pretty good. Good job. All right. I said dab, and some, some of the kids, they were actually dabbing. I saw that back there. 
All right. Well, I first of all can't go on without saying thank you to the wonderful minister, the wonderful man of God, Pastor John, because without him, you know, where would this church be? And I'm actually a little nervous. I usually aren't real nervous, you know, unless I have to follow somebody as blessed, as honored, as gifted, as, as anointed as our pastor. Amen? Because, see, you guys get to come in here and sit down and listen to someone who can bring you to tears, you can laugh with, all in within 10 minutes. You know, I'm like, it's amazing. And then you get to come up and hear me. And so I'm like, all right, let's see what we can do. But um, I just want to say thank you, Pastor. I know that he might be listening to this recorded. And I want to thank him for the privilege and honor it is that he would give me the pulpit to share some words with you. And when he did, he did, of course, say, listen, I'm not the type to tell you what to preach. But what I'd like for you to do is share your story. I'd like for you to share some things about you so that the, the congregation can really connect. And even though I know some of you guys, and I've grown up with some of you, actually, it's really crazy. I see the Bacchuses, man. I literally played in the yard with Andy right there. Did we not? We played. So, so a lot of you guys know me, and some of these stories you'll laugh because you'll recognize as I tell them because we, you lived them together. But I got to share with you guys uh, what God has done throughout my life. And that's what I want to do with you this morning. If you'll just indulge me just a little bit, I'm going to share with you some of my story. I'm really excited to be here, um, but I feel that I need to um, profess, you know, preface my sermon with a side note. And um, if you don't know, he, he introduced me as a youth pastor, and, um, and I'm used to dealing with and speaking with and, and trying to keep the attention of kids, which you know have very short attention spans. And um, I want you to make sure throughout the sermon that you remember that. Because I might jump around a little bit and, and you're like, what is he doing? Listen, you might not have ADD like your child does. So I'm used to, you know, jumping around. And what makes it so awesome is God just gifted me with ADD also. So it's really crazy how me and the kids get along, you know. So I want, that's what I'm saying. Before I start, I want you to know that that is a caution I'm throwing out there. And I want you to deal with, you know, help me deal with it and just say, well, bless his heart. You know, when, when I jump around, all right? No, I'm, I, I, I am going to share some of my story. I can't share all of it. I, I was uh, doing notes and thinking and studying and praying, and I was like, you know, if I actually tried to share my entire story, I'd be like the Pharaoh of Egypt. I would never let the people go. <laughs> you would never leave, you know. So I decided I'd pray, and I wouldn't be like the Pharaoh, and I would let God's people go. So I decided to pick just a few points, and so what I've done is I... I've picked out about three big um, things in my life that, that caused a change. And because I believe that without God's intervention in my life, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so that's what I want to share with you. Um, so I want to start with just your normal. Everybody always asks, where, where are you from and all that good stuff. So I'm going to start with this. I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm the son of a fabricator machinist, which is my dad, not my mom, and an office manager, which is my mother. Um, my parents attended and was a vital part of their local congregation and church. And here it was Napier Avenue Church of God. And um, it was this raising that caused me to have a severe drug problem. Now, I know some of you guys are going, here we go. He's got a great past that we're just going to thank God for. But yeah, and it's true. Because every Sunday I was drugged to church. 
every Sunday. And see, what you don't know is Monday night, we had a Monday night men's meeting, and I was drugged to that. And then Tuesday night, we had Tuesday night choir rehearsal, and I was drugged to that. And you see where this is going? Wednesday nights, Bible study, guess where I was drugged again? I mean, I was drugged. Me and my brother was drugged everywhere, so we had this severe drug problem. Some of y'all going, I see, I see what you're doing there. All right, so at least I got a smile on your face. But I just want to let you know that, that I was not one of the, the students or people or whatever that you meet that, that actually, you know, have a story to tell for real. I used to actually say and, and feel sorry for myself that I didn't have this awesome where the donkey, you know, started talking or a bright light that blinded me. You know, I was drugged every single time the doors were open. But what's crazy is, is the how it actually truly affected my life. Um, because, like I said, we don't have time, I'm not going to indulge in all the facts of my life. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast forward to my early 20s. Um, my brother and I uh, wanted to open a performance shop, an import performance shop. And it was my desire pretty bad. I wanted to, I don't know, I was working um, at the time for Geico which a lot of y'all probably might even be working. I was an adjuster. But I was saving up money. I was really super visual at the time. I'm not afraid to admit it now. Um, I wanted a Porsche, okay? So I was saving up money. See, some of y'all's countenance just changed, right? He wanted a Porsche. But I did. I was real superficial. I was saving up money, and I was a car guy. You know, so I, the, the, you know how you just look at a car? Man, I love that. I wanted a Porsche. So I started saving up money. I was single, living at home with mom and dad, working at Geico, making decent money as an adjuster. I wasn't even on the new customer service or nothing. I was up, you know. So I was doing well, and I said, I'm going to save up money. Well, while I was doing that, um, I did get a, a chunk of money saved up in saving. And um, me and my brother started batting back and forth about opening a performance shop, you know, doing something. And um, I ran into a guy in Duluth um, who was a head technician at an Acura there. It's called Acura Carland. If you've ever been to Luke, you know what I'm talking about because it's huge. But the head technician there looked at me one day and he said this. He said, he said, man, I wish I were you. I looked at him like, you are crazy. I'm living at home with my mom and dad. <laughs> and he goes, because you have no responsibilities right now. And you've got a huge open door in front of you. And I said, you know, he is so right. So that's what really spawned because he was like, listen, I got a kid, I have a wife, I have a home, a mortgage, you know, I have all this stuff that I'm responsible for, but you, you're open, you're wide open, and, I, and it really sunk in that day. It was almost like a preacher said something, you know what I mean? And I said, you know, there's a lot of truth there. So I started talking to Jay about it, and, um, and then, of course, we're, real, we're, we're church-going people. Like I said, we had a drug problem, remember? So um, I still was reporting to the church, as not a good, you know, drug person does, and um, was at a revival, and I still remember the revival. I don't even remember who's speaking. Y'all probably could help me. I don't know. But I remember the, I was standing, I was one of those standing on the back wall, about to go back to Norcross where I live, and I was standing on the back wall, and the revival evangelist said this. He said, there is someone in here that's anticipating a job change, starting their own business. Well, listen, God is telling me that you need to do it. Jump out in faith and do it. And I personally didn't hear just that. I heard this. Chris Weeks, you know the job, you know, you wanted to open this performance shop? It's time. The Lord's telling. So I was like, yes, sir. You know, and I ran out the door and I said, listen, let's do this, JJ. And um, I took my Porsche money. (laughs) 
You know, and I said, we're going to take this, we're going to start a business. And we did. We started a business. So JJ and I started a compact racing design. I don't know if any of you can even remember, but it was an import performance shop. And um, we were really blessed. We were really blessed. Um, from the time it opened, we started making money. It was crazy. How many people know that businesses don't usually make money within, you know, six, eight, nine months or more, 15 months of them being open? But I'm not lying. We, God was told me to open it, and I saw him work. Because even like our CPA was like, I've never seen anybody make money in first six months of business. So it was successful. It was something great. Me and my brother, we had, we built cars, and we made them look. One was for show, one was for go, you know, all this stuff. We had entered races, and we'd win them all over. We would enter uh, contests, little shows, and we'd go all over, and guess what? We'd win those too. And that just shows you how, how God's going to bless when he says do something and you do it. You step out on faith. But what I didn't realize, make sure I ain't missing any notes, you know, you know. I got down here that the business really thrived. But what I didn't realize is the damage that it was causing me spiritually. Because I don't know about you, but car shows and car races are what day are they on? Say it loud because I ain't proud of it, you know. It's on Sundays. And what was happening is because I was starting getting notoriety in the, in the southeast and I started winning these shows and winning these races, um, people would personally invite me. They, you know, like uh, Montgomery Motorsports Park would invite me. They, they actually sent an invitation said, hey, we'll cut your entry fees in half if you'll please come. You know, um, Nopi uh, Nationals, you know, I had a booth in the main thing. Andy knows that. I mean, all this stuff. And, and what happened was is I started neglecting my Sundays. I started neglecting it. In fact, what I noticed is that my priorities were getting all messed up. Now, now one thing that I wrote down and I highlighted, I mean, I wasn't a bad person. You ever heard somebody say that before? I mean, I was still, I still, um, I never, I didn't cuss. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I mean, heck, I even prayed before we raced. And I was like, Lord, help us win. Help us. You know we spent tons of money on this. We got to win, and it's your business. That's right, Lord. You told me back there in the revival, so let us win. You know, and I prayed before shows. Lord, we have a pretty car. Please let it win. You know, I pray, and then I thank God afterwards. I'm, I'm a good person. But what I didn't realize is how it was slowly er eroding my spiritual life. What was happening was is we were putting things before I noticed that I would spend my Wednesdays instead of going to Bible study, all of a sudden I'm working on a car till 1 a.m. Or the money that I should be spending in helping kids go somewhere on, on a trip, I'm spending on stuff in the shop or something like that. It was, it was crazy how it just slowly happened that I didn't even recognize it. And so even though I didn't recognize it, there was somebody who recognized it. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, recognized it. And let me tell you, I had the most powerful encounter I've ever had with Christ in the next few minutes. You'll hear it. I was sitting behind the computer in my office one night. Oh, oh, real quick, before I go there, just pause. See, here's my ADD kicking in. I wanted to tell you I had the shop for three years, and each year I had to move due to the amount of work. You know, I had to double my size in building. I went from a 1,000-square-foot a, a building to a 2,600 to a 5,500-square-foot uh, building just to handle what we're doing. That's, that's the success that God was doing. But 
God knew the impact it was having on my spiritual life. Let me tell you what happened. I was sitting behind my computer doing accounts receivable when accounts payable. If you don't know what that is, thank God. But I was sitting behind there, and I was on QuickBooks. Thank God for that, too. Um, but I was entering and, you know, putting all these things in. You know how you have to do all that? And uh, when I got done, you know, it's about 11.45. It was late. And um, right before I shut the computer down, I clicked on the graph, where it graphs your financial um, statements and all that stuff. And I noticed, unlike the last three years, I noticed a slight decrease, not enough to be alarmed about, not anything, you know, to sit there and go, oh, my Lord, you know. No, I mean, just a slight. And, of course, that prompted me to pray, you know. So I sat there and I said, dear God, you told me to open this thing. And I know it's in your hands, so I'm not really worried about it. But for two months, this went down on my little graph. And it's not enough to worry about, but, Lord God, you or God of success, your God of plenty, your God of more, and I don't believe that's of God. So I need you to move. I need you to do something, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, all of a sudden, something happened. I'm sitting there, and I heard something. I can tell you right now, guys, it was almost audible. It was almost audible. And it said this. It said, I'm going to try to, I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure I got it just right. I let you do what you thought you wanted to do. Now, let me show you what I have for you. And I'm not not lying when I say it was like somebody said it over my shoulder. Have you ever had somebody looking over the computer or over your iPhone and they say something? That's how strong it was. And I started, tears just started pouring down my face. Because I knew that it was God. I knew. I mean, I was by myself there just doing the boring work. And I heard that. And I knew that it was God. So I just, I I closed up things and I went on home. You know, of course, couldn't hardly sleep because I'm thinking about it. The next morning, got up, went to the shop. And um, I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell JJ about this because he's my business partner. He's on payroll. So if if I say that God says shut the shop, he's going to say, listen. We need to think this through. This is how we make money. So, you know, no rash decisions. And I was hoping he'd be the voice of reason, you know, with me. So I was pretty excited about going and talking to him about it. So I went up there, you know, the next morning um, at 9. And uh, I said, Jay, before we get started in the day, I need to tell you something. And I told him the same story I just told you guys. And uh, he looked at me. He said, well, if God said it, let's do it. Now, that wasn't the words I wanted to hear, but it was the exact words I needed to hear. Because if God says it, we need to do it. Personally, I was hoping it was bad pizza. And that Jesus, I mean, that JJ would come in and say that, listen, you know, uh, we don't need to race into anything. But he did not. He said, well, let's do it. What do we need to do first? Now, I wish I could tell you that it was one of the most easiest steps. I wish I could tell you that God moved and did some things. But listen, guys, let me tell you what happened. It was the worst thing that happened in my life for a long time. The first time I ever had people chasing after me legally. You know what I mean? I was, I was sued by two different companies. My name, my reputation, everything that I built started being smeared in the, in the mud. 
just all these things that you never would think happened started happening. The things I'd been fighting against and all that. And at the time, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I even had to move back in with my mom and dad. That's all right. It was awful. But you know what? Looking back and talking to other people about it, it was exactly what God wanted, even though I couldn't see it at the time. It was exactly what I needed. It wasn't just what God wanted. It was what I needed. Because, see, the person that I was, the business owner, the, uh, the racer, the winner, that was all built by who? That was all done by who? That was all made possible by who? By me. Because I worked hard. I did this. I did this. And see, what God had for me had nothing to do with what I wanted and what I had. It had something to do with what he wanted. So what he had to do was basically take the pot and crumble it back in so that he can mold it into what he wanted it to be. So that's why it was so rough on me and so hard and I felt like I was being crushed. Isn't that awesome? Because he wanted to form me into something better, something greater. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This verse described my life at the time. I thought I had built an awesome, a successful, an impressive life. I thought I was making a positive impact on the people around me and being a good person. But it was not his plan. His plan for my life was greater, just like that verse says, than what I had built for mine, self. The life I had built focused mainly on me and my business and its success. God has a different plan a better plan that changed the focus off of self and moved it to others. And I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that time and that change. Is that awesome or what? And the reason I wanted to share that part of my life with you is because sometimes you might find yourself in the same place I was. And I want you to know that God can move you. All you got to do is listen. God can move you. All you have to do is obey. And think about it. Am I focused on others or am I focused on self? All right, moving on. That's one story. Check that out. See, this is where ADD picks in because most of the time people can make that a whole sermon, right? All right, we're going to move on. While I was closing my shop, I started really focusing my life on Christ, and I got to meet my future bride, Sarah. Hopefully you all guys have already met her. If not, please do. She's amazing. Um, We began our lives together as friends. We really did. We would go out to movies or out to eat or to events like concerts and stuff like that. And we'd always go in groups of five or more. It was crazy. Um, In fact, we didn't even go on a date for over six months of us knowing each other and going off together. It was crazy. Because I was like, you know what? We've never been on a date. Are we dating? What's going on? I was confused. So um, anyway, so I finally asked her out. I was brave enough. took six months. I mean, she's pretty, so I was nervous. Um, so six months, and um, within, you know, within a short time, I would say about six months, I knew I was going to marry her. I just knew it. I was hoping she'd marry me back. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm ready to get the ring. You know, I even told my mom, I said, we're going to marry this one, but, you know, we're just going to. So I also learned something with my previous dating that women are crazy, and I'm sorry if you're a woman. I don't mean that in any offensive, 
But um, you would think you got some things figured out with it, and then they would just mess you up. So um, I was like, all right, I'm going to make sure. See, some of you just got checked out. I was like, I ain't listening to him no more. But um, so what I did is I said, okay, now that I know I'm going to marry her, I'm wait a whole year just in case she's crazy, I'll know. And then I'll propose. So that's what happened. Uh, we waited a whole year. She was so cool. She's, yes, she's crazy, but it's okay. You know, I, I've learned that you have to just deal with that. And um, <laughs> it's a good crazy, not bad, y'all. So anyway, I proposed. We got engaged. We're going to fast forward because there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot that's happened from there. You know, to the, so anyway, you're, you know, go, let's go all the way to the 31st week of mine and her um, first pregnancy. Um, now, uh, lots happened in between there, but we're going to move there because um, due to time. And uh, we were going in for a scheduled ultrasound um, checkup, um, just regular, nothing abnormal. You know, we had been going just like normal. I'm right here in Macon. It's not even, you, you guys do it too. Everybody that's, you know, you go into the, for these normal checkups. And uh, they discovered something on that week, 31 weeks. Um, our baby was missing a kidney, and they really wasn't sure about the other one at all. They were like, it's there, but we're not, we don't know what's up. Um, so, of course, they scheduled for us an appointment with a kidney specialist there at Scottish Rite Hospitals in Atlanta. We went there. And um, they did test after test, scan after scan. They just, you know how they do. Um, spend a day with them, you know, all day. And they just were doing all this, trying to figure things out. Well, you know, what, is he got a kidney? Is it, you know, is it hiding, playing hide and go seek? I don't know. It was... You know, they were trying to figure things out. Finally, the specialist, Dr. Brecker was his name. Um, <clears throat> he's really nice and friendly. And, uh, and I'm being very funny because if you know who Brecker is, he's not. He's very, very <laughs> straightforward, very analytical. He don't, he don't do jokes like I do. So um, anyway, he sat there and he was pointing, of course. He's analytical, so he's pointing, this ain't good, this ain't good, this is bad, this is even worse, this is not supposed to be here, this is it. He just kept on. Then finally he just broke down and he looked at us and he said, listen, I'm just telling you all this to let you know that your, your baby's going to be stillborn. Or he's going to die immediately after he's born. And the reason it hits me so hard is because that was our first miracle. A newly married couple. You know, and we're just so excited. Um, you know how it is with firstborn. I mean, we were celebrating everything. Um, you know, the baby kick. I try to feel it. I pretend I did. It was, it was great. <laughs> and it was awesome. And then the, we get news like this, and it crashes our world. In fact, it crashed us so hard, we didn't even know how to tell our parents. They didn't know for a little while. We, the drive home from Atlanta was so silent, we didn't even know how to talk to each other. We didn't even know what to say. Because they said that this is going to happen. So we kind of kept it to ourselves. And by this time, by this time, I was a youth pastor slash worship pastor slash toilet cleaner slash whatever pastor said um, in Jacksonville, Georgia. And, um, yeah, I was pulling double, triple duty um, there. And, uh, and I... And I We didn't even tell the church because I didn't tell the pastor, which that's probably the first thing I should have done. You know, hey, pray, help me pray. But I didn't because we were still just kind of dumbfounded. We didn't, we didn't know what to do. And uh, I got to tell you something. God knows our hearts. God knows you and he knows me. 
and he knows what to say and he knows what to do to make things okay. That following Sunday night, after I got through leading worship, we had a guest speaker come in. Uh, Greg Lowry was his name at Jeffersonville Church of God. And um, I'm still standing on stage because I was the worship pastor there. And he came up and was, I mean, it was just great. It was one of those times where the worship seemed longer than the message was going to be because worship was awesome. And I was singing and I like to say, you know, when God's on is when you don't struggle singing. You know what I mean? Like you just, you, God's giving you a special anointing that day and you're just killing it. And the people are loving it and they're clapping it and you're clapping and you can just feel God in the place. And um, what was crazy was um, the evangelist come over and he pulls me over to him. And my wife's sitting on the third row. She never sits on the first, so don't worry if y'all look at Why is she not sitting on first? She never does. She's sitting on third row. And he looks at me and says, listen, let me pull up and make sure I say it. He told me not to worry. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me even back up some more. Remember, we hadn't told anybody what was going on. By this time, we probably have told our parents, but I can't even promise you that. We're still kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do. But the pastor, the guest speaker pulls me over, and he says this. He says, you're going through something that the church don't even know about. I was like, He told me not to worry about it because God has it under control. Then he points down to Sarah and he says that she'll have a peace that she can't even explain from now on. Tell me that ain't the words you want to hear. That is perfect. I hadn't even had a chance to really pray about what God to move. I hadn't had the chance, but God knew where I was. He knew how broken we were. He knew where we was, and he said, listen, I'm going to send you some confirmation. Do not worry. And you know what was even more cool? Remember, I was a worship pastor, but my piano player, while I was up front, and I was just bawling by this time because it's a miracle for him to say what he said, she starts playing a song. And the song made me really fall to my knees because the song was Healing Rain which is exactly what we needed is a, is a healing rain to fall and clean up what the devil was trying to destroy in my little son. Guys, I'm telling you, God loves you. I was surprised at what the pastor had said to me, but I believed it. I believed it with all my heart. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. He says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I knew that God was the great physician. And if he wanted to heal, he could. So on November 10th that year, we were able to see a miracle. Just as as was told to us by the pastor, our little baby boy was born. He wasn't stillborn. He didn't die quickly after. He was born. Now, he spent a little time in the NICU, but it was because he was born early. And he had one little surgery. But let me tell you, God did a miracle. God did a miracle. If you have the best doctor, let's go ahead. Give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
If you have the best physician on the earth, and I'm not kidding, Dr. Brecker has he's flown out everywhere. In fact, he flew in from Europe just to work on my son. That's how he was. He's not in the same place. He's always flying around. The best pediatric kidney doctor told us that our son's kidney that he did have was 97% destroyed. And that he would, either, he would be stillborn or he would, be, he would die quickly after because he couldn't get a kidney, trans, or a kidney transplant. And let me tell you something, guys. The real miracle ain't even done. That's what's so awesome. Because not only did he have a successful birth and was just, you know, awesome. When we went to check the kidney function, the function of the kidney, which, remember, Dr. Brecker's already told me, and he showed me on film, I've actually saw it, that the kidney was destroyed 97%. They had to say, well, listen, now that, he, now that he, we got him stable and everything's good, we need to make sure the kidneys function enough or, you know, how long it lasts and, and all that good stuff. Well, we go in for that, that particular test and uh, start right again there in Atlanta. And um, the doctor comes out. This is it, guys. This is so awesome. This is how God is. This, is, this shows you that God is in control. The doctor comes out and says, listen, um, I just want to let you know. Actually, the doctor didn't say nothing. It was, it was about to leave. Okay, y'all can go. Thank you so much for your time. See you later. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know this was, you know, testing the kidney function. Is that something, is it going to take a while, or is that something you can tell me now? You know, which is it? He goes, oh, well, we've already done a report. It's, it's done. And I said, well, you know, what is it? Is there good news, bad news? You know, is, is it we're going to schedule a kidney transplant? I mean, check me and my wife, something. I don't know. And um, the doctor, it was a little female doctor. She looked at me. She says this. She goes, if there is any damage. That was her first words out of her mouth. If there's any damage. It's so slight that we can't call it but a trace. Now, guys, that's a miracle. That's a God. That shows you how he works. And I'm telling you, I have been able to share that story with people who are facing similar things or different things with their kids. So at the time when I was fighting and just struggling and crying and just all those things, just, I didn't realize what God was doing, but God knew what he was doing. He wanted to show out in my life, and he wanted me to testify to you today about it. Just in case you need a healing, just in case you need God to work in your life, or you know somebody who does, you can share with them the story. Man, I can't believe it. Ain't God good. Now, I'm really going to fast forward now because there's tons of stories I could share. But I, I want to share with you one last story, then I'll let you guys go. I want to share with you how I came here. Because that's the newest action I've seen. I've seen God since then, but I'm saying that's a big, powerful thing. And I might have to kind of go to my notes just to make sure I cover everything. It took me a while to write these down because the way God moves, it's amazing. About five months ago, Sarah and I were happily serving at a church in Valdosta, Georgia. And then I got the news that Christ Chapel was needing a youth pastor. At first, I was like, oh, man, that's terrible. I'll be praying for him because I keep up with you guys if you don't know. Um, I'm from Macon, so I kept up with Christ Chapel. I knew Drew, and um, I actually know Jason, and I know all the youth pastors before. And I worked here seven years in Macon previous to that, so I, I kept up with it. And I, um, And I wanted you to notice I said we were happily serving in Valdosta 
We were not upset at anybody. We weren't underachieving. We wasn't, we weren't asked to leave. I mean, whatever you can come across, you know, as a youth pastor, we, I didn't, you know, get somebody hurt and the pastor said, you've got to go. No, nothing. I mean, we were, it was actually complete opposite. Um, and my wife hates when we do this because it sounds like we're just boasting about ourselves. But um, me and the team I was working with, we had moved the youth group to like a size of about 30 students. To two Wednesdays before I left, we had 105. So within two years, we'd grown it from, you know, that 30 to 105. Now, it was not, I can't take full credit. It was an amazing team that we had put together. But that's where we were. We were in a, a, a successful place. We were in a good place. But what was crazy was I could not get Christ Chapel off my mind. And usually when that happens, what I do is I pray about it because I think that God sometimes puts things in your heart and on your mind for you to pray about. So that's exactly what I did. I took time to pray for you guys and pray that you'd find a youth pastor. And, um, I mean, I really did. I even got on my hands and knees at, um, at a, a, a midnight prayer thing. I remember, you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember taking it and I said, this is what all I'm praying about because God's put it on my heart. And, um, anyway, um, after a little while, um, I couldn't get it off my chest. I couldn't get it out of my mind. And uh, just to appease myself, I'm not going to say that God told me. You know how most people are like, God told me to talk. No. Just to appease my mind and appease my heart, I said, let me just send him a message to Pastor John and tell him, you know, hey, you know, if, if, if God tells you, you know, whatever, you know, maybe I can come up there. I don't know. I mean, I did it as a, like a shot in the dark because I was happy where I was personally. And everything seemed to be going great, but I wanted, you know, this off my chest. And, and I knew that if I reached out, then that would be my, my 10%. I don't know if y'all know, God says, you do 10, I'll make up the difference. So I said, I sent a message. And what was crazy is I didn't do it all formally. You know what I mean? Like, because I was like, I'm just going to sneak it in and not, do, you know, just let it go. I didn't send in a nice little letter with, you know, itinerary and you know, all that stuff. I didn't, I just sent him a text message. That's how bad it was. And, um, what was crazy was, is the text message he sent me back was, you know, I am so happy to get this text text message. I really need to call talk to you. And of course we talked. Then he, he said, I need to, I need to visit with you. You know how he was. He loves to talk with you in his office or at a dinner or something. So I said, yeah, I'll come up there. We'll come up there. So me and him met. We shared vision. I shared with him I wasn't ready to leave. I lost a, I really did. I was honest because I was like, man, we're doing great. We don't need to leave. You don't leave when everything's rolling downhill. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. But, you know, I, I, I had you a burden on my heart. And, and no lie, the more and more that we talked, the more and more we shared, um, I just kept feeling a burden. So what I did is this. Um, for the, I work youth camps. Um, I work in, I run media in North Georgia. I actually ran the entire, you know, set up designs and running of all the lights, sound and media for the youth camps. And that's what I was doing in South Georgia, just running the sound and helping with lights. And, um, while I was doing that, I had two hours break, which sounds funny, you know, at a camp where you don't do nothing. I had two hours break, um, in between something. And, um, I took that two hours and took advantage of it for two weeks. I was like, well, I won't pray about this pastor for the next two weeks. Um, I'm going to, you know, fast and pray and, and pray some more and not fast again, um, but I'll pray, you know, a lot. 
So you guys are quick. Anyway, so I, I got down, you know, in the altar there at the school. I mean, at the uh, the campgrounds, and and I did fast a couple of meals because they were having stuff I don't like anyway. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and um and I fasted and I prayed for two hours and I kept saying things. And on the last week, the last week, this is where it really. I'm just fast forward up there because God was doing things the whole time. Um, but on the last week, man, I just could not get off the fact that that me moving from Valdosta to Macon was the most stupidest decision carnally you can ever imagine. I'll be honest with you, it, it made no sense at all. In fact, that's what I kept repeating. I walked across for 45 minutes, I remember going, this just don't make sense, Lord. It don't make sense. I don't understand why you would make me do something. You know, it's not easy, Lord, uprooting a family that's happy where they go to school, they're happy where they're at church, they're happy here. And my wife just hates me now because I've told her. And I'm, just, and I'm going on, I just say, it don't make any sense. It don't make any sense. And then, of course, we had service. It was wonderful. God didn't tell me in the rafters, you know, shaking the building, you need it. No. But let me tell you what he did. It was pretty cool. Um, I'm leaving. My wife is there um, helping in the cafeteria part, which I don't know why she don't cook. But anyway, uh, she was watching. I'm just kidding. She was helping a lady that's in our church. Y'all don't tell her I said that. She ain't in here. She's cooking now, actually. Um, oh, I see her. She's glaring. Um, so, um. But she was uh, talking with her friend, and I was going ahead and leave because they had, a, like, something they had to clean up, I think is what it was, just final cleanup. So I looked at her. I said, hey, me, I'm leaving. I love you, you know, out your window. And, me, and I looked at her. I said, man, me and Stephen Furt about to have church up in here because I was going to listen to a Stephen Furt podcast. Had no, you know, just that's normal for me. If you ever hop in my car and I'm going on a trip, I typically play a preaching podcast. That's just what I do. And it could be five in a row because I love it. It's I'm sorry, but um, so we're going to move on. See, ADD kicked in just then. But so we're, anyway, we're, I said, I'll see you later, baby. Drive safe because they were riding together. I said, I'm going to go on. We're going to have church. See you all later. Within 15 to 20 minutes after that, I'm telling you, I'm on the side of the road bawling. From just shouting at my wife, you know, I love you, babe. You look great with powder on you. No. And, and, and going down the road 15 minutes. Why? Because, see, Stephen Furtick was who I was listening to. And Stephen Furtick was speaking at a conference in, te- in Texas, Gateway Conference. And he did a lesson on faith. And he was teaching about all this stuff about faith, acting on faith, blah, blah, blah. And then he said something that blew me away, literally had me in tears again. And it shows you how powerful God is. I'm going to turn on my notes make sure I say it just right. He says this. Sometimes doing what God wants you to do And being in his perfect will just don't make sense. Now, what did I say for 45 minutes during that two-hour period? (laughs) What did I go back and forth saying? The exact vernacular. Listen, it wasn't like he said something and I kind of made it, you know, that's what I was saying. No, he said exactly what I was saying. I was, every time I complained to Christ about it, I was like, God, you know, it don't make sense. This just does not make sense. I'm going to look stupid. It don't make sense. But I mean, I don't want to leave this church and them think I'm crazy and whatever. I just don't make sense. And then all of a sudden he says, sometimes following God and doing what he wants you to do don't make sense. I literally almost wrecked getting to the side because I couldn't see because my eyes had teared up. So, you know, not really boring. It just all in my eyes. And I pulled over and I was like, okay, God, that's the last thing I need. I understand now. I need to take this position. And uh, that's exactly what I did. Romans eight twenty eight says this. 
We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purposes. Do y'all hear what I said? Everything works out. If it seems good or if it seems bad, it's going to work out. I believe without a doubt that God would not uproot me and my family from something so good if he didn't have something even better in store here. Did you hear me? You hear me telling you how awesome it was at this church, how awesome the team was, how we had 105 students, blah, 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 all this great stuff. I guarantee you that God's not the type to pull you out of a place and put you in another one for it to fail. I don't think he's the God of failure. I think he's the God of winning. I think he's a God of more than enough. And I believe if he's going to pull me and my family and make it that type of decision, then what he has planned must be good. What he has planned must be amazing. Amen? And he's working all things out for the good. So I believe there's a bright future for Christ's chapel, especially the youth, since that's where I'm at. (laughs) But I believe that there's a bright future for all of us. Why do I believe that? Because I'm standing here telling you my story today. I believe that there's people out there that needed to hear these three parts of my sermon because maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're facing that and you need some confirmation. Well, let me tell you, that's what God does. He's going to share. He's going to put me up here. He's going to tell me to share my story, and he's going to give me the exact thing to say, to uplift you, to take you onto the next level. God loves you. He has great things in store for you. Even when it sounds rough, even when you feel beat up. There were times I was in my mom and dad's basement after I closed my shop that I was crying, wondering what in the world I was going to do. There were times where the only thing I felt like I had going for me was my couch. But listen, God always has something better. And even though you're worn out, even though you feel just destroyed and crushed, Don't let it be the last. Don't let it be that last straw. Don't let it be. Always reach up and know that God has better for you in store. There's a common thread all through each and every story, and that's this. God was the center of it all. And when he wasn't, he changed it up to where he would be, right? And sometimes that causes heartache in our lives, like it did when I closed my shop. But because of that, I became a pastor. And because of that, I effectively changed hundreds of lives already. Hundreds. The impact I made is way better than running a fast time in a time slip, which is exactly what I thought my life was about. Fixing up somebody else's car so that they're proud of it is nothing like seeing the entire family come to Christ. And that's what God wanted for me. And if he has plans for me like this, he's got plans for you. He's got plans for each and every one of you. And I believe it with all my heart. And I want to close with this. I'm going to go ahead and close with this statement. God's plans for you are better than you can imagine. I wish you could grasp hold of those words. Just take a moment, close your eyes, and imagine the most awesome 
thing that you could be doing or should be doing. Think about it. Some of you guys right now just won the lottery. Some of you guys have a huge family house with everything you want, with money and blah, 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 whatever. There's so many dreams that's happening right now in your minds. But look at me. Look at me. God's plans for you is greater than you can imagine. Can you grasp that? What you just thought was awesome in your mind has nothing compared to what God has planned for you. And that's what I want to leave you with today. When you feel down, you feel out, you feel destroyed, don't let it be because that's just where you needed to be at the moment so that God can propel you to where you need to be. Amen? Amen? If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes and I'll close with this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time here, Lord God. Thank you for your words. Thank you for blessing me, Lord God. Thank you for all the miracles that's happened, Lord God, the things that you've done in my life. But most importantly, thank you for your words of life. Today I ask that you touch each and every person sitting here in this place, Lord God. They heard story, they heard about miracles, they heard about your works. They heard about all these things, Lord God. And I ask right now that you double it in their lives, Lord God. Let them be able to come and pull me over to the side, Lord God, with a, with a testimony of their own of how healing fell in their family, Lord God. Maybe a testimony of how, how God moved in, in a financial situation or whatever it is, Lord God, so they could share with me and we can rejoice together. Lord God, we will always give you praise. We will always give you honor and glory for what you're doing and going to do. Lord God, I ask today that you touch each and every person that's here. Lead God and direct each and every step. And most importantly, Lord, give them favor in their job, favor in their, with their friends, and favor like never before. Lord God, we love you. We praise you give you all glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, all right. See, that's the little difference in the students and you guys. That I can't get them to shut up. I can't even get you guys to hardly say hey. Man, I'm telling you, thank you so much for allowing me to speak to your life. Listen, if you um, don't forget about grabbing a Connect card so you know of everything that's going on here at the church. We always have something for you. And since I'm up here, don't forget, youth leaders meeting right after church. Um, if you're interested in being a youth leader, I would love for you to come join. If you're already a youth leader, I expect you to be there. Um, I've got free baked spaghetti that my wife fixed. It's one of my favorite meals she fixes. I, and um, so I'm hoping that you guys come enjoy with us. I love you guys. Have a blessed day in Jesus' name.